We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Guys, welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Harrison Winter on this Wednesday edition of the show. Solo show today. Brendan Vogt still in Philly. I think he's got a couple good pieces of content posting after uh, this one. Adam Mars is off tonight, but I'm here breaking down this Nuggets loss. Denver Falls in Philly tonight to the 76ers. 97 to 92. Nuggets now 14 and 8. They've lost. Five of their last six now. Yeah, five of their last six. So a 14 and eight, just six and five away from Pepsi Center this season. And they're struggling right now, no doubt. Uh, but they do have a home heavy December coming up, a lot of winnable games. And they've got the Portland Trailblazers and Mellow here on Thursday in their next game. So that should be an exciting one. But a lot to get into from this game like i mentioned philly wins 97 92 this was a tight game for most of the second half and some of the first half and i kind of just want to start by going over the game flow of this one and then i'll get into will barton's night a little more nicole Jokic's night what i thought of his game gary harris's game and michael porter jr's game as well because uh, a lot to talk about with how the rookie was used tonight and just kind of how his season has gone and where it's going because uh, a fascinating subplot to this Nugget season for sure. But uh, it's important to get out in the open before I kind of get into this thing. Philly's a good team. Uh, they've been struggling kind of like how Denver has struggled a little bit so far. Just don't really seem like themselves. And Bede has had a couple weird stretches here. Uh, of course, a, a lot of weird storylines around Simmons with his jumper and whatnot. Uh, but Philly's still a very good team, especially a really good team at home. They they were 12-0 at home coming into this game. They're now 13-0 at home. So you knew this was going to be a tough game because of that and just because of Philly's top-end talent. Of course, Denver beat Philly at Pepsi Center earlier this season. So uh, you knew the 76ers wanted to get back at the Nuggets for that. Plus, the 76ers have Ben Simmons uh, in this one. They did not have him in that game in Denver earlier this year. So you knew this was going to be a tough game. And Philly, 
a good defensive team, just like Denver is, but Philly has been the best defensive team on their home court this year. And sure enough, they hold Denver to 92 points, but you know, I don't know how big of a feat it is holding the struggling Nuggets offense under 100 points anymore. Um, but you know, Philly's defense was good today, held Denver to 43.5% shooting from the field, 25.9% from three. So uh, they definitely showed up. It was kind of a defensive slugfest today, but you knew Denver was going to have to be really good to beat Philly on the road where the 76ers have been really good on their home court. And this was the end of a pretty long road trip. A road trip all the way out on the East Coast. Uh, that Knicks game, you know, that was kind of a throwaway game, a good win for Denver. But I think, you know, looking back on it, probably didn't tell us really anything about this team. Uh, but that Boston game, that was a tough game. The Brooklyn game, another tough game as well against a pretty good opponent. And this Philly game kind of fell right in line there. So the Nuggets go 1-3 and three on this road trip. But I think I said before uh, they got out to the East Coast, 2-2 two and two would be great two and two would be ideal or just like a great outcome for this road trip and obviously that didn't happen uh one and three and I think that kind of illustrates where this Nuggets team is at right now but you knew the Nuggets were gonna have to have a really good effort in this one and Will Barton came to play out of the opening gate a uh, Will Barton who lives for playing games on TNT last year he strolled into the arena with one of the Nuggets like locker room attendants carrying a sign that said Thrill National Television TNT and he shows up for national TV games or at least he tries to and he showed up for this one uh, after just a couple minutes he outscored the 76ers 11 to 6 just was all over the floor Shooting from the perimeter, getting to the rim, flying around on the defensive end. So he really set the tone for the Nuggets in this one. And they needed him. Like, I don't know what would have happened to the Nuggets at the beginning of this game if it was not for Will Barton. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a blessing and a curse because they couldn't really get Jokic going until the second half. Uh, and, like, really until. A little bit in that third quarter and um, you know Jamal Murray got hurt or earlier in this one too which was kind of the second thing that happened and he only played the first five minutes of this game he ran into Ben Simmons maybe a little hip check from Ben Simmons but he was diagnosed with a trunk contusion seemed like he was going to come back in the second half he was always questionable to return for most of this one and then uh, ruled out at the end didn't sound super serious though I have a feeling he'll play Thursday um, but that was kind of what happened next Barton went off at the beginning had Denver's first 11 and then Jamal Murray got hurt and I'll come back to that in a little because that really I feel like hurt the Nuggets down the stretch in this one then at the 409 mark of the first quarter uh, with the Nuggets still pushing ahead still riding that Will Barton real hot streak from the beginning of the game MPJ, early action. He checks into the game at the 409 mark of the first, taking Wancho's minutes. Um, but unfortunately, and I'll get into MPJ's night in a bit, but the bench got absolutely killed in their first stint in this game. Philly came all the way back in the second. They got up by as many as 13 before Denver starters came back in. Uh, and then a nice run from the starters at the end of the first half to cut it to five. The third quarter in this one, pretty even. 
followed by kind of a similar path. The starters got out to uh, what I thought was a decent start in the third. The bench gave it up a little bit, and then the starters kind of closed the margin a little bit in the fourth, but not enough. The fourth quarter in this one was just an all-out slugfest. I mean, the two <laughs> Philly and Denver combined for 30 points in the third quarter. Denver outscored Philly 16 to 14 in the period. Denver was 6 of 18 from the floor. The 76ers were 5 of 19 from the floor. And I want to talk about the final couple minutes of this one because Denver in the fourth quarter, this late game offense was kind of a disaster. And I feel like they really missed Jamal Murray in this regard because He's a, a guy late in games along with Jokic. Well, it should be along with Jokic, but a lot of times it's been Murray here as of late. But he's the guy with the ball in his hands, you know, taking and making shots and really dictating the offense. But at the 424 mark of the fourth quarter, the Nuggets are down 93 to 88. They got to within five points on a Will Barton layup. The Nuggets proceed to convert on one field goal over the remaining four and a half minutes of this game. And uh, they scored four points over the final four and a half minutes. One, two of those points were a Nicole Jokic driving layup where he drove past Joel Embiid. Very nice play with 18.9 seconds left to trim the margin to three. And then the other two points were two Gary Harris free throws. But just some brutal possessions, I thought, late in this game. And Denver's late-game offense, I thought, lacked direction. Um, it, it lacked leadership. Without Jamal Murray out there, I really did not see anybody take charge of this late-game offense. The Nuggets had a possession out of a timeout where Nikola Jokic pretty much stood out by the foul line for the entire possession. And Denver ended up getting bailed out by uh, a foul, and Gary Harris ended up making those free throws. Um, but just overall, in these last four minutes, pretty terrible possessions. Yeah, I felt like that just kind of stuck with me. The late game offense, the crunch time offense, was just not where it needed to be. Denver just did not get the high quality shots they've got late in games in the past. And I think we spoke about this, you know, after a couple of the close losses this last week, but. This late game offense, it's kind of been a little bit of a story this season. It's not where it's been in the past. And um, yeah, the Jokic-Murray pick and roll, it hasn't been there as consistently as it's been the past late in games. Obviously, Jamal Murray was not out there tonight. So, you know, they couldn't get into that Jokic-Murray pick and roll. But yeah, just poor execution, I thought, uh, down the stretch. All right, I want to get back into this one, talk about Jokic's night, Michael Porter Jr.'s night, Will Barnes' night, because there's a lot to get into. I just wanted to kind of give you guys the game flow there. But we're talking about the Avalanche Amber Ale on today's show. One of my favorites from Breck Brewing. Maybe the first beer from Breck Brewing that I ever had. Maybe their most popular one as well, but it's you know what it is. It's your classic American Amber Ale. Great for any occasion. Great for any type of beer lover. Make sure to check it out at any of your local liquor stores, at your favorite bar. I'm sure they've got it, or, or if they don't have it, probably shouldn't be your favorite bar. Um, but the Avalanche Amber Ale from Breck Brewing, uh, definitely one of my favorites, and I think uh, some people in that Nuggets locker room and that Nuggets coaching staff could use one uh, after this game. And before we go any further, 
There's a new alternative for addressing your tax needs. SymbioTax and administration provide this clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from licensed professionals. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own. And George over at SymbioTax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a home in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax change. Call SymbioTax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at SymbioTax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-O-Tax.com. If we were going to award a game ball, and we don't in losses, but if we were going to award a game ball tonight, it would have gone to Will Barton. I spoke about his start to the game early on when I was just kind of going on how this game flowed. But 26 points for Barton tonight, 10 of 19 from the field, 40 minutes, 2 of 7 from 3, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, the pair of steals, and 3 blocks. The most impressive part of Barton's night, I thought, his start was great, but it was how he kind of took over a lot of the ball handling duties when Jamal Murray went out. And Monte Morris was playing a lot with this first unit, of course. But a lot of times it was Barton playmaking, handling the ball, you know, a kind of timeshare at that spot between him and Jokic and, you know, Morris a little bit, but mostly him and Jokic. And a little bit of a throwback to the 2017 18 Barton. The 2017-18 Barton when the Nuggets didn't really have a backup point guard. And Barton was kind of, uh, he was Denver's sixth man at that time. Really thrust into duty there at the backup point guard position. And really handled it well. His reads out of pick and rolls have been so good this year. Uh, he, he has been everywhere. And you know he to see him fully healthy, to see him playing up to his standards. I mean, it's, it's been absolutely huge for Denver. And just to have him as this consistent piece. And it's been an interesting trend over the last couple of games as Jokic in that Brooklyn game, in that Boston game, kind of found his footing offensively. Suddenly there weren't as many touches for Barton. And he's able to get his touches. He's able, able to get his shots off tonight. I think in part because A, he had it going early, obviously, but B, Jamal Murray wasn't there to take shots from him today. So I'll be interested to see how Barton's offense kind of, you know, flows when Denver is healthy and when Jokic is getting his numbers like and getting his shots like he did in that Boston game and that uh, Brooklyn game as well. I thought Michael Porter Jr.'s night was certainly interesting. It, it definitely seemed like, you know, the, the quotes coming out of this road trip and just the feeling around the team and just how it was trending that he was going to get regular minutes and sure enough, in the first quarter, he checks in for Wancho at the four-minute mark of the first, or doesn't check in for Wancho, but checks in at small forward and is taking Wancho's minutes. Um, overall, MPJ in this one, 14 minutes. So he got in early with the second unit in the first quarter at that four-minute mark. And then in the second half, it, it was odd. The Nuggets go to Torrey Craig as the first small forward. <clears throat> as the first small forward off the bench, Wancho plays a minute in this one, a random minute for Wancho, a couple possessions, and then Porter comes in in the fourth uh, to start the quarter. 
ends up playing 14 minutes, 2 of 7 from the field. Porter hit a couple free throws, 6 rebounds, 2 offensive rebounds, uh, good for 6 points overall. And so uh, a couple observations about Porter's night. And I'll, and I'll talk about his playing time and how I kind of see that going forward in a second. But the, the two things that stuck out, stuck out about his night, A, he was crashing the offensive glass hard. That's something I've always noticed from Porter this season, even going back to the preseason, and even in just the scarce minutes he's gotten. He attacks the offensive glass really hard. He's really aggressive on the offensive boards, and honestly, I think the Nuggets should really be happy with that. Uh, it's great that he's using his length that way. You know, He's so much taller than most of the guys that are defending him. He's going to have such an advantage on the offensive glass. So I think that's a really positive uh, just sign for him at this stage in his career that he just attacks the offensive glass so hard. Two offensive rebounds today. The second thing that stuck out about his game, he missed a ton of layups today. Porter was 2-7 from the floor. He missed one jumper. So he was pretty much 2-6 of six in the restricted area. Missed four layups in this one, and four very makeable layups. One, it was like a wide-open layup on a fast break. I'm not even sure how he, he missed it at all, but uh, we was off on that. So missed four layups in this one, I believe. Uh, so just does not have that touch. I don't think he has the explosion around the rim that he had pre-injury. He's still trying to get that back. I don't know if he'll ever get that back, but... Definitely just does not seem to have like that second jump around the rim right now. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting how you know, he missed four layups in this one. But uh, some other thoughts on Porter. You know, something that's always stuck out to me along with the offensive rebounding is just how he's moved in Denver's motion offense. And I think I said on Tuesday's show that there have been some instances this year where he just hasn't known the play. And he's set up on the wrong side of the floor or... You know, a play is called and he goes to the wrong spot. The Nuggets have to spend like three or four seconds getting him to the right spot, right spot on the floor, so they can go into their set. But when he's just like in this motion offense, when he's cutting off the ball, when he's cutting back door, getting into dribble handoff sequences, he seems like a natural, and his basketball instincts just seem really good. Now, don't get me wrong; it's a big problem that he doesn't appear to know all the plays. Uh, but just from a motion offense standpoint and cutting, moving off the ball, spatial awareness, dribble handoffs and whatnot, he seems to be a natural there. So that's a really good sign. So going forward, I would expect and I feel like I'm even speculating too much to say this because, you know, we've seen the Nuggets play Porter. We, we've seen Michael Malone say I need to play him. He needs to be out there. That's the only way he's going to get better is by being out there. And then, you know, he has a DNPCD the next game. We've seen that stuff before. But I feel like he's going to be getting, I want to say, 12-plus minutes a game going forward. I feel like that's a pretty safe number. He played 14 today. So I'll say I say I feel pretty comfortable saying that Porter, you know, will play these types of minutes, the type of minutes that he played tonight against Philly you know, with that second unit at the three or at the two because Malik Beasley was not good tonight, minus 12 and 12 minutes, and his playing time could be dwindling soon as well. But I feel like Porter has a spot in the rotation right now off the bench, 
And, you know, we'll see what he's able to do with it. Look, I'm not one of those people that thinks Michael Porter Jr. is going to solve the Nuggets' offensive woes. And there are people out there, a lot of them. He is not going to solve the Nuggets' offensive problems by himself. Listen, all rookies are, are typically, like, bad. Unless you're, you know, Anthony Davis or, or John Wall or Blake Griffin. You know, some of these transcendent rookies, Ben Simmons at times, most rookies are just bad their rookie years. And most rookies are bad, particularly the first half of their rookie years. Like playing in the NBA, learning the nuances of the game, learning how to play defense in the league, it takes time. And so the Nuggets have to be willing to spend that time with Porter and just be willing to be patient with him. And look, it's tough because Nuggets have such high aspirations this year. And... They're not playing good basketball right now. And I can't blame Michael Malone. I really can't. I can't blame Michael Malone for wanting to play guys that he's more comfortable with in hopes that it will give Denver more consistent basketball going forward. But the Nuggets, the Nuggets just have to take some of the lumps and some of the ups and downs are, that are going to come with playing him right now. Because I can tell you this. I think the Nuggets locker room believes in Michael Porter Jr. and believes in the talent that he has and wants to see him out there. That's the read I get talking to the guys in this locker room. I feel like they recognize his talent and feel like he should be playing. That's my read. That's my personal opinion, but that's kind of the sense I get. And I think that's trending more and more in that direction here and will continue to trend that way over the next couple weeks. I think he'll be playing more. And look, it's not going to be pretty. He made a lot of mistakes tonight. He'll continue to make those mistakes going forward. Um, But he has the potential. He has a skill set. And you've just got to kind of take those ups and downs with him at this point in the season. Coming up, I actually think this is a really good stretch to start rolling him out there more. And the Nuggets, like I said earlier, have a lot of home games in December. They don't have the toughest schedule in December. Look, they haven't been playing great right now, so any win is a good win. But they go home against Portland, home against the Thunder, home against the Knicks, home against the Magic, home against the Timberwolves, at the Lakers, at the Suns, home against the Pelicans, home against the Grizzlies, home against the Kings. So a lot of winnable games coming up in there, and I feel like this would be the time to get Porter, just get his feet wet if you know, you're going to do that at all this season. And there are some post-game quotes coming out of uh, this game tonight, coming out of Philly. Uh, Brennan Vote, who is on the ground there in Philly, tweeting a couple of these out. Porter said, you know, it's tough to get into a rhythm, obviously, when you're not playing. But it's also tough when you don't know what type of minutes you'll be playing on a night-to-night basis. That's something that a lot of players say. You know, players like to know when they're going to play. Uh, they like to know if they're going to play. They like to know about when they're going to enter a game. Sometimes you know that stuff ahead of game. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes things can change based on the game flow. Um, but he said that you know he would like to chat with Malone about that. Uh, so that's certainly notable. But take a look at Brendan Vote's timeline for uh, those full quotes. He said, uh, "quote quote I need to talk to Coach again. This is about kind of just when he's gonna play." And he goes on to say, I think we are more mentally prepared when we know when we are coming in and what he's thinking for certain games. I think we can be more mentally prepared for our minutes. You know, interesting stuff there. I mean, yeah, I would 
take a look at Brendan's timeline for uh, the full context on those quotes. You know, just kind of going up and down the box score here. I thought Gary Harris had a nice night tonight, and uh, I've been tweeting this a little bit. Uh, I've been talking about this with people, but it seems like Gary Harris is getting closer and closer to being back. And I wrote about this earlier this week on the DNVR.com, but you know, a big reason why his offensive efficiency is so down this season. He's taking less shots at the rim, and uh, he's been a you know decent finisher throughout his career. Not like an amazing finisher or anything, but he's you know not taking a ton of easy shots, easy layups around the rim. Instead, he's settling for floaters, and he's not hitting those floaters. And he even settled for a couple tonight, but five of twelve from the field from Gary Harris, one of five from three. I thought he had some nice moments, though five assists and also really good defense too. He had a couple steals as well, but. Another overarching theme of tonight, the bench, man. Uh, the bench was pretty bad again tonight, and the starters were good enough. I think uh, 107 offensive rating from the starters, so uh, they were good enough. The starters and Monte Morris I'm talking about, but this bench, uh, just not good once again. And just some of the shots that this bench unit produces, I have no words for some of them. Like the Mason Plumley jump shot from the foul line with 18 seconds on the shot clock. The Jeremy Grant pull-up 18-footer in transition, I just I just don't really know what's going on there. So the bench just continues to be a disaster, <laughs> a real disaster. I mean, you look at these plus-minus numbers tonight. Porter was a minus-9. Plumley, who did not have a good night at all, was a minus-13. Jeremy Grant was a minus-16. He was bad tonight, 1-6 from the field. Uh, Tory Craig was a minus 10 in those eight minutes, although I did feel like Craig had some decent moments there. He had a nice block, some good energy. And Malik Beasley, who I, I said earlier did not have a good night, was a minus 12. And you know, got to wonder if his minutes are on the line here, especially uh, approaching trade season. I think he is definitely the most likely nugget to get traded if Denver does pursue a deal, which you know, if the losses keep piling up, they definitely will. All right, I want to get to Nikola Jokic's night, give some final thoughts on this game. First, though, Total Beverage is giving the DNVR fam 30% off of your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app downloaded today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products that's right, from drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. Cheers. So Nicole Jokic in this one, 33 minutes, 7 to 13 from the field for 15 points, 1 of 4 from 3. Seven rebounds, 11 assists, was not a big offensive factor in the first half. Like I mentioned, a lot of that had to do with the fact that Will Barton just really owned the first quarter. He scored the first 11 points this game from Denver, and then the Nuggets just really went to him, like every possession in the first quarter. And then uh, late in the second, you know, Jokic got his first field goal, but not a big impact. And then had some nice moments in the third quarter, I thought. Denver put up 26 points in the third. And, man, there was a stretch out there where the Nuggets were playing Jokic ball. 
I'm not kidding you. If you guys did not watch the game, you're going to think I'm lying because we've seen it so little this season. But I swear to God, there was a few minutes stretch out there where the Nuggets were playing Jokic ball. They were passing. They were moving. They were cutting. It, it, it was in the third quarter. And I think it was right at the beginning of the third as well. But it was beautiful basketball. And you know, Jokic was at the center of this attack. And Denver had it. They had it for like a three or four minute spurt. But then they lost it when the bench came in and they weren't able to get it back in the fourth quarter. And um, it, it was fascinating because it was Monte Morris out there at point guard, of course. You know, Jokic was running stuff from the center spot. And man, it really just made you think of the old times. It was, it was a fun couple minutes stretch. Jokic was running things and it was beautiful basketball. You know, at the beginning of that third quarter, I thought, beautiful offensive basketball. And then also when it comes to Jokic's night, interesting a post-game quote from Michael Malone today. He said he's got to get Jokic more shots. Uh, Jokic attempted, how many did he attempt today? Jokic attempted 13 shots in this one. Michael Malone saying he needs to get him more shots. I think Malone's talking about end of the game. You know, Jokic, like I was talking about earlier, Denver had one field goal over the final four and a half minutes. It was a Jokic layup. I got to think Malone's talking about, I need to get Jokic more touches late in a close game. Sure, Denver missed Jamal Murray. He's taken a lot of those shots late in fourth quarters. But if it's not Murray, it's got to be Jokic. And he was not featured enough in this fourth quarter. I didn't think he was featured enough throughout most of the game, but particularly in the fourth. Jokic had three shots total in the fourth, one coming you know, in those final three, four minutes. Um, but, you know, overall, it was a lot this game of what we've seen for the entire season on the offensive end of the floor. The defense was fine today. You know, Denver played good enough defense to win, holding Philly to 97 points on their home floor. The 76ers shot 41.5% from the field, 33.3% from three, forced Philly into 15 turnovers. Denver had really active hands in this one. The defense was great. Jokic played some really good defense on Joel Embiid, some really good, some really strong, stout post-defense on Embiid. That was not the problem in this one. It was the offense once again. And Denver just time and time again, especially in that fourth quarter, like I talked about earlier, could not generate good offense. And a lot of Jokic standing on the perimeter, roaming the three-point line in this one for sure. And uh, Shaq was ripping, and I mean ripping, Jokic and Embiid at, on the halftime show for not punishing smaller defenders. First off, like Shaq was totally off base there, and I'm pretty sure Shaq is under the belief that if a big man does not play how he played back in the 90s and the 2000s, they're playing the game the wrong way. And that's like a whole other story for another day. Like, I just don't think that he gets that big man can be effective playing different ways. And guys actually work on their jump shots now. Um, but anyways, it was funny. Shaq kind of made those comments. And then Jokic really came out in the third and just established himself. Hit a foul line jumper, hit a three. But, you know, late in this one, I thought too much roaming the three-point line from Jokic. And, you know, pretty much just really being okay with everybody else. Or trying to create their own offense. That's not going to work. It hasn't worked all season, late in games, and it did not work tonight. So Nuggets lose this one, 97-92. A lot of the same problems on the offensive end of the floor that have been you know, happening all season, happen again tonight. And 
Look, you can say Jamal Murray was out tonight and that was big. You know, maybe with Murray, Denver wins this game. That's a big possibility because he does provide offense. You know, Denver can, I guess, hold their head a little high that they stayed with Philly, a really good team, on the 76ers home court without Jamal Murray, their top scorer, and the guy who's been their best player at times this season. Uh, but a loss is a loss. And the uh, Nuggets are 14 and 8 right now. I've lost 5 of 6. And have another tough one coming up at home against uh, Carmelo Anthony and the Portland Trailblazers. Let me know what you guys think about this one. Hit me on Twitter at Harrison Wind or hit us up in the comment section on thednvr.com. We'll read all those comments and questions when we get all of us on a show here later this week. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you then. Hey, guys, before we get out of here, you know how supporting local business is in our blood, so we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They've been doing it since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets to molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? With the snow here, you'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything that has to do with snow plows. They can cut the size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We actually went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back. It's nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of freaking wind turbine blades. And we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at fantastic rates. They're also family-owned. With loyalty goals for people just like us here at DMU, be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. 1-800-259-0010 or visit drcfirst.com backslash DNVR and tell us who sent you.